The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. I'm so glad to be here with you guys this morning and with you online. Uh, would you please grab your Bibles, open them up to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we are going to spend some time in 1 Peter 2. That was the text that was read over us. So uh, 1 Peter is... Uh, Towards the end of your Bible, you can Google search that. You can open a phone or a tablet and find that. The English Standard Version is what we will be reading. Uh, Hey, how's how's this discipline series treating y'all? Some of you doing it? Yeah, so, yeah, it's been good, hard, right? I'm hearing different things from different people. So uh, anybody anybody still reading Matthew? Yeah, we got some Matthew readers. Okay, anybody memorizing? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, so maybe there's a little bit of memorization happening. I, I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, anybody, uh, anybody sabbathing right now? Is sa- no, pleasure stacking? No. Yes. Yeah. So today maybe, um, okay. Uh, anybody fast this week? Yeah. Did you get hangry? I found myself hangry on Thursday. Like not happy. But uh, listen, I, I am really, I'm hearing good things. I'm hearing like this has been a really important thing for our church. Uh, and so I'm, I'm thankful that you are practicing some of these things. Here's what we got left in this discipline series. We got two weeks left, okay? Uh, so, so today and then next Sunday, and then we move into Advent. I mean, it's Advent already. Uh, if you follow me on social, you know, I already put my Christmas lights up. So, you know, 2020 wins again, right? That's, but we're ready. We're ready for Advent. Uh, but we've still got two weeks left in this, in this disciplines series. Let me start our, 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 our fifth discipline today with this question. Uh, has anybody heard of CrossFit? No? Yes? Okay, maybe the question is, have you, have you not heard of CrossFit, right? How do you not hear about this thing? Okay, CrossFit. Uh, there are really only two thoughts about CrossFit uh, as I've talked with people. Okay, the first is this. It's awesome. It's, it's like the best thing I've ever done in my life. Everyone should CrossFit. That's one perspective on it. The other perspective is this. It's a, it's a cult, right? I mean, it's just pure, it's a cult. Now, I'm, I'm looking in the room. I know y'all aren't CrossFitters. Uh, but if you're online, I know there are many people in our church who are CrossFitters. And here's how I know. Here's how I know, okay? There's, that first, you look like you could kill me in two moves, Right? Like if you do CrossFit, you like have you guys seen Doug Androsky, guy in our church, member of our church? Like that guy is lethal. Like I don't know where his head ends and his shoulders begin. He is so ripped, right? Like he could mess me up in two moves. Uh, you know, you know how else I know that you CrossFit? Because you let me know, right? Like if you have a friend who CrossFits, they let you know that they CrossFit. They don't lead with, hey, I'm Ted and I work for Lockheed. No, no, no. They say, hey, I'm Ted. And I CrossFit at Decima, or I CrossFit at Kata, or I CrossFit at Ken Carroll. Like that's it's like your it's like your name tag is where you CrossFit. And I'm not bad mouthing CrossFit. Okay, I'm, I, I think I'm not bad mouthing CrossFit. Uh, frankly, because I'm scared of y'all. But um, but really, I think CrossFit has has tapped into something that is innate in every human being, is and that's that we are relational creatures created to be in community. Right? And, and I think CrossFit has tapped into this thing. So they've got their own language. Did you know that? They have their own language, right? You, you, you want to come to the box with me? What's a box? Well, it's a CrossFit gym. Why don't you call it a gym? Because it's a box. All right, all right man, don't hurt me, right? Like that's, that's the conversation you get with, with CrossFit people. You need to know these things if you go CrossFit. You have to know what a wad is. You have to know what a Fran is. You have to know what a Murph is, okay? I, 
I mean, unless you cross it, you don't. I used to work out with a crew of guys and we did a Murph. Okay, let me tell you what a Murph is. A Murph is you run one mile and then you do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and then just run another mile. You know, that's, that's crazy. And CrossFitters are all on social media, like just boasting about that. They're like, oh man, what a workout. I just bled out of my eyelids. It was incredible, right? And people are like, sign me up, right? Sign me up for CrossFit. But, but if you know CrossFit, it's like the, they, they build this community that's very unique for even a gym, okay? Like uh, if you are in a CrossFit box uh, and you hit a personal record, they call it a PR. If you hit your PR, everyone in the box celebrates with you. Like they're cheering you on and they're, I mean, I've seen videos of this stuff. It's crazy. And when you fail, they are quick to pick you up and dust you off and encourage you and say, hey, you can do this. Like they build you and lift you back up. And I was just looking on one of the CrossFit websites in Littleton. They have so much going on. It's mind blowing. I mean, here's just one day at a CrossFit in Littleton. Workouts at five, two at six, eight, 30, 12, four, 5.30, 6.30, and they're all booked. Yo, we can't even get people to come here for once a week, right? Like, I mean, it's like, this is crazy. Why the phenomenon with CrossFit? Well, I think they've tapped into the desperate need of human beings, not to bleed out of their eyes, but to belong, to belong. So the fifth discipline in this series that we're gonna look at is community. Community, okay? And I I just wanna make the case that community is in fact a spiritual discipline that needs to be practiced in order for us to grow into mature disciples. Like it's a, it's a discipline. And the New Testament gives us kind of this built-in community called the church. So I'm not just talking about any community, all right? I, like like you, 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 can, you can go to the CrossFit box and get community. Obviously I don't, but like you could if you wanted to. But, but today I'm talking specifically about the church community, the community of God's people. And I'm arguing that church community is a discipline. All right, it's a, it's a spiritual discipline. It takes work. It is hard. It takes practice. It's not easy. It's difficult. And there are many who say that the church is not necessary anymore. There's many in our culture. You've heard people say, I'm spiritual, I'm just not religious, Right? which, I mean, that's like I'm connected to some sort of higher power. I just don't want to go into some organized thing, right? Or even within Christianity, like people who believe in Jesus, they'll say things like, hey, I love Jesus. I just don't love the church, right? I love Jesus. I just don't want to be a part of that organization. And, and so th- I think uh, there are many reasons why people aren't practicing the discipline of church community, but let me just give you a few and, and we'll build our framework around these this morning. First, it's easier than ever not to be a part of a church community, right? It's easier than ever before not to be a part of a church. And you might be just like, hey, shh, like, look, like we, we don't need to tell anybody that. Listen, everybody knows this. Everybody knows that it is easier not to be a part of a local church than ever before because frankly, be, with, with the internet and video and technology, you can get your digital discipleship on anytime you want, right? What's the purpose of church? Well, why would I even go? I can download a podcast from whoever I want to listen to at any time. You like Andy Stanley? Download it. You like Matt Chandler? You like Tim Keller? Get them on demand for free, right? You want in-depth Bible studies? Go for it. 
the very best are out there for you to consume. And here's the truth. All those guys are better than me. They're just great. I listen to them. I love them. They're great. They're better preachers. They're better communicators. They're, they're one percenters. They're the best. And you can go stream those. And then you can download Hillsong or Shane and Shane, whatever your worship of choice. And you can just make your own little, little church thing. And thanks to COVID, literally, literally, you can stream any single church in the entire world. Any church, like small, little, tiny Baptist churches in the middle of nowhere, stream them. They're Facebook Live and all that stuff. It's easier than ever not to be a part of a local church. Who needs church when you've got YouTube? So that's the first excuse, right? It's easier than ever. Second reason people don't practice church community is because it's messy. Right? It's messy. I mean, I'll tell you this. This church, Fathom, it's me- if you don't think this is messy, it's just because you've not been here long enough, right? And, and sometimes we think, well, I'll just find a different church. The church I'm at is messy, so I'll just go find a different church, but I'll tell you that one's messy too. You just haven't stepped in it yet, right? It'll show up. It'll be messy. Like church community is messy. Uh, it's messy because you're messy. You make this place a mess. Thank you, yeah. It's messy because I'm messy, right? I bring my mess to this place. It's messy because we don't always make the right decisions. It's messy because we are caught up in sin. It's messy because we all need grace. It's messy being a part of a church. And that just makes it easier to say, nah, forget about that. Third reason why a lot of people don't do church community is because it's costly. It's costly. Community, it costs money. I mean, do you know how much it costs to go to a CrossFit box? Obviously, I don't. But like, I mean, it's... It's a lot of, it costs, church is costly. Like you have to build into your rhythms time for this thing. You have to get your kids up early and dressed and out the door on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night for a small group. You got to share vulnerable parts of you with other messy people who might hurt you with those vulnerabilities. And so that's, that's scary. It's costly. And I'm just not sure it's worth it, worth the cost. So here's what we're going to do. Those are some of the excuses that I see on repeat from people. I'd like for us to kind of overlay what we find in the Bible, just a couple of things, uh, and see if we can't figure out why I'm, I'm, I'm arguing this, that, that church community is a spiritual discipline that you must practice. So let's look at our text once again. First Peter chapter 2. Uh, we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. This was already read, but let me read it for us once again. You, but you, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So let's, let's take those objections to church community and let's address them. Okay, first, the first uh, objection was that it's easier than ever not to belong to a church community. So uh, you've heard it, I've heard it. I mean, very likely I hear all the, the, the time this idea that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You ever heard this? Like, you don't have, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, right? Like, uh, so, so listen to me. If you define church as a product 
or as an event or as like a sermon and some songs, like, like a dude with a face mic yelling at you for 40 minutes and then somebody playing some music. Like if, you, if, if, if that's what your definition of church is, then that statement is completely true. You don't have to go to an event and consume a product in order to be a Christian. Like I, I say this all the time, going to church makes you as much of a Christian as sticking your head in the oven makes you a turkey. That's just not how it works. You don't just show up to something and you are therefore a Christian. But what our text, what did it just say that the church was? Now, there's a couple things to note here. In verse nine, it says, but you, and then it starts to list what you are. The you there, English does not do a good job with you because that you is plural. It's not talking about you as an individual. It's talking about you all, like y'all. That's, I mean, it's it's the y'all moment we've talked about before. But y'all, and then it goes on and it says, you are a race, a nation, a people. The truth is you cannot be a race by yourself. You can be an ethnicity, but you cannot be an uh, an entire race. You cannot be a nation by yourself. You cannot be a people by yourself. You need church community to fulfill what Peter is talking about here. The church is not a place or a product. It is a people. It's a community. So yes, if you see the church as something to consume, no, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No problem, right? I just don't see though how biblically you can see Christianity as something to consume. So my first point, which is I think right to criticize that, hey, it's just easier than ever not to go to church, to belong to a church. My first point on on what church is, what community is, is this biblically, it's somewhere to belong, It's not just a product to consume. It's actually a place to belong. It's a people to be a part of. But frankly, that's just not how many American Christians function. See, uh, as I'm studying for this spiritual disciplines sermon series, uh, I have all these different books on spiritual disciplines, historical books on disciplines. uh, And community is not found in any of those books that I referred to. It's not considered a spiritual discipline to practice church community. And I think it's because up until recent history, it was just assumed that you were a part of a church, that you were a part, in fact, of a Christian community. It was assumed, and it seems to me that many evangelicals consume everywhere and yet belong nowhere. Just consume and consume. And I listen to that guy and I listen to that sermon. I love that book and I do that Bible study and I join that friend group and then I belong nowhere. And I think one of the things that has really stunted our faith is that many don't belong to a church community. They don't take full advantage of what the body of Christ is meant to be. So we like the preaching here or we like the music there and we make our church decisions based on that. And I think you've got a whole mass of believers who aren't meaningfully plugged in anywhere, right? They might even attend, but they're not there. So the things required for spiritual growth are not present in their lives. Like, like no one can speak into them, right? There's no authority that they'll submit to. No one can rebuke them, right? There's because they won't let themselves be known. And that's costly, right? We talked about it. It's costly. It's, it's scary at times, but so many simply log in and listen to a sermon and log out. Or frankly, with COVID, they don't even log in. 
Like the real problem with preaching this sermon today is that the people who need to hear it probably aren't listening. That's the real challenge because you're here or you're online with us. And this is not how the church was designed. It's not how she was designed to work. And, and often I talk with people who are just dumbfounded that, the, that they're not growing. I just can't believe I'm not growing. And then they usually follow it up with something really dumb like this. Oh, I'm just not being fed at my church anymore. So I'm just going to move on to the next place. And listen, there's legitimacy there. Like there is legitimacy that you may, may, may not be at the right church, but, but the church is not a product to consume. It's not about fed first. First, it's a place to belong. It's a people to be with. And until you belong to a church, until then, church just is really weird. Like it's just goofy. Listen, there's better things for you to do. This is a weird hobby. Sitting here right now, listening to me talk is weird. If you don't bite on it, go do something else. We see endless people who end up listening to sermons for decades and never grow in maturity. This is not how the church was designed to work. So that's my first rebuttal to uh, an objection to church community. Here's my second, okay? The second objection, it's messy, right? That's the objection. It's messy to do church. Here's the answer. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a whole heap of mess. You don't even know the crazy that goes on in my brain, right? Like that's, you only get to see some of that, right? But, but Peter, in, in verse nine, he actually wants the people of God to remember who they were before they were called into community. So did you see what he said? He said, you were called out of darkness, you were called out of that. Once you were not a people, is what he says. Once you had not received mercy. And so his, his, his stimuli there is, hey, don't you remember the mess that you were in before Christ called you out of that? Can you remember the darkness? The Bible says you were not just messy, you were dead. Like dead in your sins. And listen, even now, now that Christ has saved you and moved in your life, don't you realize that there's still some mess clinging on to you? Like we're still a mess and God has already started to work in us. I mean, it's fascinating to me. In, uh, if you've read the Gospel of Matthew, which a lot of us are right now, Matthew chapter 9, okay? In Matthew 9, we find Jesus, he's calling his disciples. So he's already called Peter, James, and John uh, and uh, Andrew, I think, well, he, he called a bunch of, uh, of these boys and, he's, and he essentially says, hey, come be fishers of men. Like I'll make you into fishers of men. And that's not like some cheesy Christian thing. It's like, he's legitimately saying, hey, you're not gonna fish anymore. You're gonna actually be evangelists and missionaries. Like that's what he's doing. But in Matthew chapter nine, it makes an interesting choice for the next disciple that he wants to be a part of his community. First of all, Jesus doesn't even do this by himself. Right? He had some, some boys around him. That's his first move as he comes onto the scene. He's like, I got to get 12. I got to get a crew around me. But, but then here's what he says. I'll put it on the screen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 says this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. And then as Jesus reclined at the table in the house... Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, Jesus said, 
Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. See, that's fascinating. It's a fascinating turn of events because you've got the good Jewish boys who you would think that Jesus would choose for his 12, right? Peter, James, John, the sons of thunder, sons of Zebedee. I mean, that, you feel good about those choices. And then Matthew, the writer of this gospel, his original name is Levi. He's a tax collector. Like, You'd be shocked if you, this is not the guy that you would think a rabbi would pick. I mean, the Jews hated tax collectors. They hated the oppression of Rome and they especially hated tax collectors because those were Jews who became traitors against their own nation. And now there are tax collectors like Matthew brought into the inner circle of Jesus' disciples and even broader, it says, sinners. So he's having dinner with his crew and there's, so, you know, tax collectors, they start to have a party at Matthew's house. Who are friends with tax collectors? More tax collectors, right? They don't have any other friends. So all these other tax collectors show up, all these sinners show up and then the religious elite show up and they're like, the Pharisees show up and they're like, what's this guy doing? Doesn't he know that those are tax collectors and sinners? Jesus is like, yo, I didn't come for you. You think you're healthy? Healthy people don't need a doctor. I came to call sinners. There are people in Jesus' community from across the spectrum of maturity, all right, from the get-go. This is not, hear me, church community is not a club for the spiritually elite. Jesus seems at first to be more interested in one's commitment level than one's maturity level. That's where he seems to start. He doesn't have a bar of maturity that you must get over before you can join the Christian club. It's a bar of commitment, and then we'll deal with that maturity thing. And that's my second point about community. It starts with commitment, and it moves towards maturity. And this is why we can genuinely say that, hey, this thing, it's a mess. Because you've got all types of maturity levels mingling in one community. But hear me here. Jesus is clear. His heart is for the broken. His heart is for the messy. His heart is for the, the sinner. And that minimum bar to enter into the community of Christ is you just got to open up yourself to him. It's a commitment. It has nothing to do with maturity. And that commitment, it's all he needs. In fact, it's the only thing that he will actually work with. If you've got the maturity accolades, but you are uncommitted to him, he will not let you follow him. We see it all through the gospels. You don't need to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. Your very mess is what qualifies you to be his follower. It's not the healthy who need a physician. So finally, to the objection that the church community is costly, yeah, we've already said, yes, it is costly. And my third point around that is, listen, if belonging is costly, then not belonging is dangerous. Like it costs something to belong to a community, but it costs something much greater not to. It's dangerous. See, you've got to understand that, that we as believers, we do have a real spiritual enemy who wants to take us out. 
The Bible says that we have an enemy, the, 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 the devil, Satan, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's the language that the scriptures use. Now, uh, li- listen to me. Uh, which one does a prowling lion always go after? You seen, you seen uh, um, Animal Planet? Yeah? You've seen, I mean, you've seen these shows, right? So like uh, you, you, on your screen, there's a, they pan to a lion, crouched down in the grass, you know, prowling around. And then they pan over, cut over to the next scene. It's this herd of antelope. You're like, oh, I'm lovely. But then they zoom in on one like gimpy, three-legged tripod of an antelope, just like on the edge, just kind of standing there. And you're like, oh, no. Right? I know what happens next. Right? You're like, kids, change the channel. Right? This is not going to go well. Right? Like, this is not like a Disney movie where the kids survive and the parents die. That's not what's going to happen in the animal planet. All right? Eileen is about to get taken out. Some of you will get that joke later. So, so the lion, the predator, is looking for an easy target. They tend to target the young and the weak. You know why God created animals with a herd instinct? Because it's the herd that protects the weak and the young. Normally it's the herd that surrounds the weak and surrounds the young to protect from the prey. So, so I think that we have an enemy who is like a lion looking for someone to devour. I think that's a warning for us. Look out, watch out. He's prowling around. He's looking for someone to take down. And, and in our context, the, the ones who he devours are, are those who are disconnected. He devours the person who comes to church but knows nobody. See, what, what the church ought to be about is that when there's a newer Christian or, or a wounded person that comes, we should take them in, should welcome them in. We should put them, as it were, in the middle of the herd. It's like, hey, get in here. It's safer in here, okay? The, the enemy, that lion, they can't get you when we're here. We will protect you from him. And this is what Peter says in verse nine. He says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us. Like we don't just belong to community for us. We do it so we can proclaim to one another the excellencies of him who has saved us. It's about proclaiming and protecting one another. So you don't belong to church just for you. Again, another reason why it's not just about consuming. Like there's two types of people who should be connected to church community. So some of you, listen, you're newer in your faith, like you're, you're younger in your faith life, or maybe you walk in here and you're wounded. You're limping in here. And frankly, if you're newer in your faith or you're wounded in your faith, you're likely going to have a tendency to isolate. You might just hang on the outskirts, but I'm telling you, the moment that you do that, you become an easy target. You become this easy target for the enemy and you need to get into church community to protect against that. Get inside the herd is what we say. So um, that's one group that needs to be in here, the wounded. The, the other group, listen, if maybe some of you aren't wounded, like you're currently 
doing okay and you're growing and you're getting stronger and you're maturing, well, we need you to be a part of the church community too because it's not all about you and we need you to surround those who need to be protected, right? Like, and truthfully, if you've been in community any amount of time uh, as, and the longer that you are in community, you will find yourself cycling from weak to strong, like you're not always on the edge of the herd protecting. Like you will be strong for a season and then you'll find yourself in the middle, broken, battered and bruised and you will need to be protected. Like that's how we proclaim the excellencies of Jesus to one another inside this people. So I think there's, and there's plenty more we could go into, but I think there's really good biblical evidence that says church is not just something to eat. Man, I just want to be fed. I hope you are, but, but that's not what church primarily is. Primarily, it's a place to belong. So with all of these discipline sermons, we've ended with practical. So let me end with practical on this, okay? How do we practice this discipline of community? Uh, well, this one's gotten immensely more difficult during COVID, Right? I mean, everybody agrees with, and you don't have to be a Christian to agree that community has been one of the things that has been fractured in COVID. It is way easier for me not to belong than it ever has been. It is way messier to try and figure out how we get back into community. It is way more costly. I hear from people, all the, I can't be wearing a mask for an hour, right? I can't wear a mask. I can't stay six feet apart. Like, I mean, it's costly at a different level than it was a year ago. So let me give us two challenges. Some of you, uh, you might be only able to practice one of the two, but that's okay. I'll talk to the camera primarily because some of you are here, but let me, let me, let me, uh, let me give, you, give us these two applications. Number one, have a meal with someone from your church. Like the first challenge is dinner. Last week, I told you to fast, like don't eat. This week, I'm telling you, go ahead and eat, okay? Right, fast one day a week and then eat with somebody else another day, okay? But, but have a meal with somebody from your church community. Now, now, if you're staying home, if you're online and you're kind of staying at home for whatever reason, I, I still think this is a challenge that I want to extend to you, okay? Uh, have a meal with someone from uh, the church, okay? Listen, I, I know that you're playing it safe and I, and I want to respect that and, and appreciate that. And I know you're trying to mitigate risk of being exposed or exposing others. And I want to honor that, but I'm just telling you there's a risk in, in not getting together with people. There is a risk in staying isolated and being alone. You need your church community. So, so play it safe. Have just maybe one couple or one individual over. Keep your distance if you want. Wear your masks if you want. But, but frankly, you need to see someone face-to-face. And I would say you need to break bread and eat food together over a table, okay? Here, I'll just give you the topic of conversation, all right? What has God been up to in your life as of late? Boom, there you go. Don't have to talk about the Broncos losing. You don't have to talk about anything else. Just spend your time talking about God. And I've done this with some of you, some of you online who I've not seen in, in person because you're, you're staying home still. And that's great. I've been to your house. I've brought you Chick-fil-A. I've sat across the table. And there's just something different when you actually get to be embodied with another person from your community. So have a meal, have a meal. Number two, this does not apply to you at all, people here. If you're still staying home, online, okay? Uh, if you're still staying home from church. Um, but if you're honest, and this is church, I know it's no place to be honest, but if you're honest, um, if you're honest with yourself and you're really just taking advantage of the live stream because it's just easier to 
wear your stretchy pants and drink your coffee in bed and watch on a screen than it is to get up and put on less stretchy pants. They're all stretchy these days, but, and, and come to an actual gathering. And maybe you're treating church as a little bit more of a product and less than the people. I just want to encourage you to, to come back. Like it is costlier to come to a gathering, but it's better. And some of you, I know you can't for real legitimate reasons, and that's why we keep doing these streams, okay? Like we will keep doing that. But I just say to those of you who have not, please come back, register your kids, bring your youth, you know, come to the 11. It'd be awesome to put some more people in here, right? Like register for a service and come back. And I know it's costly, but as your pastor, I'm just telling you, I'm really nervous. Like I'm, I'm just getting very nervous about the emotional and spiritual effects of not being in church community for this long of time. Just getting nervous. I know there's more risk, but like we're cleaning and we're masking and we're distancing and we're like, we're trying to play by the rules. I just implore you, come back, come back in a safe way, but come back. So let me close. Uh, I want to close with this. Uh, It was was almost two years ago uh, nearly two years ago, I remember the night clearly, uh, when the elders uh, at one of our Monday night elder meetings, they confronted me uh, for plagiarizing portions of my sermons. And, um, and man, I had gotten so obsessed with this church, like so obsessed with my role of the pa- as the pastor to grow and keep this thing moving forward and get more people and attract it and make it bigger and make it more spectacular, and that I wanted my sermons to be like the best sermon that you've ever heard so that you couldn't leave here without being transformed. Like I'd just gotten so overwhelmingly crazy with this stuff that I had let my disciplined life slip to almost nothing. The way I said it is I, I, I traded loving God with serving God. I, I was like, I've used this illustration. I was like Martha and Mary, if you know the story, Mary just wants to sit at Jesus' feet and Martha's just too stressed out and busy trying to serve him dinner. And I found myself in this burnt out, broken place and the elders called me on it. And it was a moment of freedom, a moment of relief, but also a moment of, uh, of pain. And after that elders meeting, I called Marcy and uh, I always call her after elder meeting I'm on my way home. And I, I can vividly remember how much I didn't want to tell her what had happened. Like I didn't want to tell her, I didn't want to confess to her. And so after I told her what had gone down at that meeting and confessed, uh, then I told her that I really didn't want to tell her. Like I confessed that I didn't want to confess to her. Um, and then she asked me, why, why didn't you want to tell me? And I said, I'm just so ashamed. Just so ashamed of myself for getting here, for, for doing this, for letting myself get so unhealthy that I would sin like this. Why? I should have known better. I'm just so ashamed. And then later that week, I confessed to my D group. Some of y'all were there. Confessed to them, and that was an awkward night. Um, And the next night, I came to this room and confessed to the whole church. We had 200 people in here, and I confessed to them. And and that began the process of recovery that was nine, nine months long of meeting with counselors and being cared for and walking away and coming back. And it was a long journey of healing. Um, and I'm still going through that. But, but Marcy said something that first night when I called her on the phone that I won't ever forget. Um, and she said, right after I said, I'm just so ashamed. She said, Chris, you never have to be ashamed to tell me anything. You never have to be ashamed to tell me anything. 
Fathom, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You have been transferred out of the domain of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, the grace that I experienced from my wife that night and the grace that I experienced from my D group that week and the grace that I've experienced from you, my church, my community, this almost two years ago, that immeasurable grace of Jesus embodied in his people is why I'm here. It's like I was the gimpy antelope. Like I found myself on the edge, vulnerable to the attack of the enemy, and you guys could have walked away, and yet what you did was you pulled me into the center of the herd. And I'm the pastor. This church community is for me, too. So just say this. Whatever you bring, whatever mess you bring it, like, you can bring it here safely. You can confess it. You can lay it down. You, you can do that right now. You drag that out of darkness and into the marvelous light. Like, you, you have that ability. Is it sin? Is it pain? Is it fear? Is it crippling shame? I'm just going to tell you what my wife told me, and this is the church that I want to be a part of. A, a part of. This is the community that I will be the pastor of, and it's, it's the community that says this. You never have to be ashamed to tell us anything. Christ does not cringe at reaching out and touching dirty people. Christ does not flinch when he reaches out and touches those who are caught up in sin and suffering. You will find grace. You will find mercy. You will find transformation. You will find Jesus in church community. That's what I want to be a part of. That's what we are calling you to be a part of. So let's train in this. It's a discipline. Let's practice this together. Let me pray for us. Lord, we do bless you. We bless you for the gift that is your body, your church. Lord, we do love that you, that you call us individually to follow, and yet you do not call us individually to stay individually but you call us into a people, into a person, into a place with, with others where we would become a race and a, a nation, a people set apart from the darkness of this world for your glory and your uh, honor. So Lord, today I do pray uh, for us as a community that we would first and foremost be the herd that you want us to be. We'd be focused on, on protecting and proclaiming your excellencies to one another. Lord, if there are people who are listening either online or in person who, who long for this community, maybe, Father, this is through your spirit, an invitation for them to, to come on in, to get in on this herd, to stop consuming and start belonging. Lord, I do believe that this is a discipline that we need to practice because it will not come easy and it will not be cheap and it will not be uh, clean always. But Lord, we do believe that it is the way. 
And so Father, thank you for your church. Thank you for the gift that this community is to me, has been to me, will continue to be to me, and that it is for all of us. Help us, Lord, to live this out more day by day. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit.